You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the Becca Cook Show. I'm Becca Cook, and today we have a very special guest, my dear friend and pastor, one of my pastors, Nick Tortorici. And I met Nick, I guess, 11 something, 11 plus years ago, because he was one of the pastors at my church, Reality LA, in Hollywood. And now he's one of the pastors at Reality Carpinteria, which is up the coast on the beach, and it's beautiful up there. And today we're going to talk about the power of prayer and the importance of prayer. And we're going to get into three amazing, supernatural, miraculous things that happened when Nick prayed for me over the years. So welcome, Nick, to the Becca Cook Show. Thanks. Let's talk about prayer. Like, tell me why, why are you... So tell me, first of all, tell me, maybe start off with that story that you were telling me before about this person in, in, uh, the, at a conference that you kind of talked to about prayer. Tell yeah. that story because I think it's important. Okay. Well, I'll preface this by saying that I read a book years ago that really just enlightened my heart towards prayer from Jim Simbla. Um, Jim Simbola is the pastor at Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn. Fresh wind, fresh fire. And it's interesting because Tim Chaddick um, and Britt Merrick and all these other people were reading this book at the same time, but we didn't even know each other at the time. Just so you know, Britt Merrick uh, was the founder of all of the reality churches. He He's planted Reality Carpinteria back in what year was that? I want to say 2003. And so, yeah, and then out, out of that came many churches, but out of that came Reality LA, which is where I got saved. So, yeah, so go back to that story. So that really just sparked my spirit about prayer. And, I mean, I always knew that if God's going to do something, it's not going to be for me. Like, I have nothing to offer anybody. I, I In and of myself, I can't do anything. But through Christ, I can do all things. But I also know that, you know, that relationship that I have with him, if it's not intimate, that I'm not really drawing from the Father. Like Jesus gave us the example, right? Like it says that he went away to the mountain to pray. How many times did he do that? How many times did he just leave? Like, hey, wait, we need you. Uh, later, I'm going to go pray. You know, and <laughs> I know he gave us such a good example of that. Yeah. So. Um, the answer to your question though, is that through prayer, I've just seen God do so many things. We started reality Los Angeles with, I want to say about 15 people in our living room. Who's we, you and. So me and Tim Chaddick and 15 random people that decided they wanted to be on this crazy journey with us. Yeah. Right. And this was like 10. This was, uh, no, 2000. Five. Okay. So before we planted Reality LA, we prayed for a year. 
So I was going to Reality Carpinteria and Tim came on staff like soon thereafter. And then they started prayer meetings immediately at the church. But then we got a group of people from Los Angeles to come to my house every month and we would pray for a couple of hours. So we feel like the foundation of all that we did was on, was with prayer. I mean, Jesus is the cornerstone. And if Jesus is the cornerstone, like everything that we have that is intimate with him is hinged on our relationship with him through prayer. Right. Because there's different ways that God speaks to us, right? He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through prayer. But we speak to God really primarily through prayer. Right. Right. Because it's like we're having a conversation right now. Well, when we're talking to God, it's the same thing. Yeah. So I just think that if we're not doing that, do we really have a relationship? Like, can we say that we have a relationship with someone if we never talk to them? And that's really the basic thing that prayer is. And I think that people make it complicated. Well, I was, I was telling you earlier that, you know, my example of that for illustration is if you have a spouse and you never speak to them, how, well, how do you think that relationship is going to do? Like, it's going to, you're going to feel distant. You're going to feel disconnected. You're going to feel completely, you know, it's going to, it's not going to be good. And it's the same. And I know that we worship and we pray to an invisible God. So it's not Mm -hmm. as easy as having a husband or wife or friend, uh, right. You know, physically there, but, but if we neglect, and I'm, by the way, we're preaching this to ourselves too. We're, we're saying this to ourselves, but if we neglect communion with God, with Jesus, then we're, we're not going to feel connected to him. We're going to feel that distance. We're going to feel that, that kind of, um, that's when stuff creeps in and doubt creeps in and Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. So it's, or we start trying to do it on our own. Yeah, we try to just do everything in my in our own. I said, which my, is so frustrating. Yeah, I do that all the time, where I'm just like trying to do things in my own strength, and and I'm exhausted, and then I get super exhausted, and and it, I get burned out. So I had, so I went to this pastor. So this is where we were back. It started, and I kind of segued. Um, I went to this pastors meeting that used to take place once a month on a Wednesday morning. I knew all the guys that were there. I got invited, and this really famous. Um, teacher was there. And while I was there, they were talking about prayer. And I was like, okay. And then they went into this whole charade of doing. And and I'm great with doing because I think that if we're not doing, I mean, James tells us if we're not doing anything, then like really where's our heart. Um, But ultimately what happened was, is he was saying, just go out and do. And I had, we had just gone through this whole period with reality LA being birthed where I had this whole idea of like, there's no way I can do anything. Like I have to pray. Like God has to work in and through us. Yes. Well, he doesn't have to, but he can. And usually the way that happens is through our communication. Like it's not because I just came up with a good idea. I have all kinds of ideas that I might think are good, but you know, there's good ideas and there's God ideas, right? So I just said, well, what about prayer to him when he was saying all these things about doing? And he said, well, the issue is, is that most people, they pray and they don't do anything. And I said, okay, well, yeah, because I mean, I guess that's true. You know, some people pray, but then do we really need to do anything? That's my question. Is like, 
What did, what did Moses do that God didn't initiate? Right. Right. Like he could have said, oh, well, I've got all these people, like I'll, I'll separate them in groups and I'll have the strategy and, you know, we'll do this and we'll do this. But that he was frustrated. Like he literally didn't know what to do. Like he was so frustrated. And then God's like, just trust in me. And, you know, this is New Testament stuff, John, I mean, uh, Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Yeah. And all these things will be added unto you. Like, we don't need to worry about how God is going to do things as much as we can be concerned or actually be anticipating that he's going to do things. So I like to say that if, if we are, if we have expectation, we're usually let down because expectations usually us coming up with an idea and it doesn't happen the way we think it's going to happen. And then we're bummed, but expectancy is a different thing because when you're expectant, you know, something's going to happen. You just don't know how or how God's going to do it or when he's going to do it or what he's going to do. So I was really frustrated and I just said, I, I don't agree with you. And this sounds like, not so basically he was saying, he was saying we need to go do, and you were like, but wait, don't we need to pray first? Yes. Okay. And, and so, you know, I kind of got into a thing with them and he was really frustrated with me. And this guy, <laughs> the funny thing is, is he, he's like a very famous author and all these different things. And everyone's like, what the heck are you doing, Nick? Are you kidding me? Like, who are you? I'm like, I'm nobody, you know, I'm nobody, but like what he's saying is wrong. So why are you just going along with it? Cause he's famous. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So That's hilarious. afterwards, of course, like all these guys came up to me and they're like, Hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm totally fine. But like, really, we need to be serious about our communication with God. Like, are we really trying to do things on our own or are we really going to the Lord in prayer? And then he's directing us like, perfect example. Like I was, I, I ride my bike all the time now. So I'm on a bike ride. I, I go past this lady and the Holy Spirit's like, stop and pray for this lady. I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't feel good today. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, this is really the truth. So I go around the corner and I sense that the Holy Spirit says, if you don't go back, you're going to miss a blessing. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So I turn around because I just want you guys to know, like, it's not like I have it all together. or Beckett has it all together. And we're like, hey, if you do this, everything's going to be fine. It's like, we need to hear this as much as you do. So we're preaching to ourselves, like you said. Yeah. So I turned around I came back. I went up to the lady and I said, hi, what's your name? She said, why do you want to know? <laughs> Wait, was she on a bike? Or was no, she, she was just walking. Okay. She had like a bag of groceries, older lady, right? And I said, well, I just sense that God wants me to pray for you. And she goes, really? And I said, yeah. And she says, I was a missionary for 40 years. And 40 years? 40 years in Australia and New Zealand. For 40 years, the Lord called me to go there. I used all of my resources that I had, and I was there for that whole time. And I came back, and I'm living with my um, sister, but my sister's not a believer, and it's really tough, and she, like, it's, it's just a difficult situation. And I said, well, can I pray for you? And all of a sudden, she just breaks out in tongues. I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. This really happened. <laughs> so she breaks out in tongues. I'm like, okay. And, and it was cool. Like, it, I mean, it wasn't like weird. The thing that was so cool about it was 
you could tell that she was intimate with God. Like the way she was praying wasn't just like, oh, I'm praying in tongues. It was like, I know God is my friend and he hears these prayers, yeah. even though they're not like natural English prayers. Right? Yeah, as Paul says in First Corinthians, or First Corinthians yeah, first he God. says, you're, when you're praying in tongues, you're uttering mysteries of the spirit. Exactly. So exactly. anyway, go ahead. So then, then I said, uh, then I didn't say anything. I just prayed for her. And she was like, Nick, you don't know how much I needed that. You just don't know how much I needed that. Wow. And I think that, that the point of this whole thing is, is that A, you know, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, but what, how did I hear the Holy Spirit? I think it's because when we're in communion with God, we hear him better. We are more in tune with what he's speaking. Our spirits are open. Our ears are open. We're listening. And even though I'm completely stupid sometimes, and I'm like, what do you mean? You want me to turn around? <laughs> well, I want to tell now that's a good segue to the first miraculous thing that happened. Well, one of the, this is actually the second thing between us, but so I was at, as you know, I was at Reality LA. This was like, I don't know, six, seven years ago, maybe. Um, and the sermon was over. And after the sermon, there's 30 more minutes of worship music. The band, the worship band plays and the lights are kind of dim. And a lot of people go to the, not a lot, but some people go to the front of the church and kind of kneel down on the carpet. There's these carpets on the front. It sounds kind of weird, new age, but it's not. <laughs> um, so normally after every sermon, I used to go every Sunday, I would go to the side of the church and get prayed for by someone on the prayer team. Like that was just like, yeah. it's free prayer. Why not get it? Like, come on. I, I never understood. Why Hopefully people, you never pay for prayer. <laughs> I, know, I, I never understood why, you know, people didn't take advantage of that. But anyway, that particular Sunday, I, I hadn't slept well the night before. I wasn't feeling well. And so I just went down to the front of the carpets near the stage and was kneeling down and I had never done this before and haven't done it ever since. And, but I knew Nick was in the service. I, I saw him when I walked in, I saw him on the other side of the, the room of this big auditorium. And so I just was kneeling there and I was like, I just prayed. I said, God, will you send Nick over here to pray for me? And I, that's all I said. And I'm just, you know, kneeling and, you know, the music's playing. And about, I don't know, three to five minutes later, I feel a hand on my shoulder. And I'm like, what? And it's Nick. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, Nick, I just prayed that the Lord would send you over to pray for me. And your response was, yeah, I know. The Lord just told me to come pray for you. Yeah. So I'm standing on the sides. Yeah. So tell us what, because yeah, I don't so, know what happened in your way. So what happened with you? Yeah. Well, how it used to work is, is as Beckett said, people would go up to the front, they would kneel. And, and the whole idea of the service was, is that you respond to the word of God after you hear the word of God. Right. Right. And, and a lot of people, there's different ways that people do it and there's nothing right or wrong. It's just how we did it then. And we would have our prayer team on the wings. So we would be on either side of the auditorium. And then people would come up to us and they would ask us for prayer. We'd pray for them. But that particular day I was standing there and the Holy Spirit was like, go pray for Beckett. And I'm like, 
okay, <laughs> where is he? <laughs> you know, because I don't know. There's like how many? A thousand people in the auditorium? Yeah, there were a thousand people there. So I look down and I see you in the carpet. I'm like, okay, I got to go. And honestly, it's not something I ever did. That's what's really weird. When I think about it, I never did that. That was only one time. But didn't and, you like resi- like stop and say, am I supposed to? Didn't you ask God like several times before you got to me? Like, am I really supposed to do this? No, I really knew I was supposed to do it. Okay. I really knew. Yeah. Like it was kind of like the Holy Spirit said, go pray for Becca. Um, and there's another time that I knew I was supposed to pray for you and you came up. I don't really? think we've ever talked about no. it. No. Yeah. Wow. And it's kind of bizarre. But uh, yeah, so I, I was like, okay, you know, and just like the lady on the, you know, when I was on my bike, it, I wasn't so reticent because I'm on the prayer team, you know, so I'm kind of like, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm here for. So I just went up and when you told me that you were praying for me to come up, it was just like, wow. Okay. that's. Were you blown away by that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hello. And so that, the, I mean... For me, for you, just for God to do that, just to send you over after I prayed that, I didn't even need like prayer after that. Like, because that was just, that's all I needed was, that was basically God saying, hey, I'm listening to you. (laughs) I'm hearing your prayers and I'm responding to it like that. And it was to this day, like moments like that. And there's two more really dramatic or two, one really dramatic moment and one really cool moment with Nick. But which we'll get into, but it's even that prayer that day when I, when that happened to us to, to this day, like it's, I'm so encouraged still. And it's, it strengthens your faith so much. Yeah. And it's just like, you can never, it's like, I can't, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. No. And just, I I think that when something like that happens, you just say, God, I know you love me. I know that you're watching me. I know that you hear me. And this is like, this isn't made up. There's no way that you can orchestrate that. Yeah. In fact, like a similar thing happened when um, I got the call to go to Reality Carpenteria. I'm in bed with my wife and I'm reading. No, I wasn't reading yet. The Holy Spirit told me to go to Isaiah 43. I'm like, what? Okay, Isaiah. Okay, I know that that second half is about the hope for Israel, but I'm not familiar with it enough to know what 43 says. So I'm reading, I get down to verse 18 and it says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I'm like, what? This is for Carpinteria. I just, I knew in my spirit, like the Holy Spirit told me this is for Carpinteria. Because you had been praying for a while. Yes, but I had, I wanted to have some comp, just like you, it's as simple as you asking for me to come up. This was for me, the same thing, but for a different calling. Right. And so I immediately texted to Adam Smith, who's in the ministry with me at Reality Carpenteria. He's the primary preaching pastor. And he's like, Nick, you're not going to believe this. I'm like laying here with my wife. The Lord told me to go to Isaiah 43. I got to verse 18, 19. I told you, this is for Carpenteria. Same morning, same time. That's impossible. <laughs> That's, That's crazy. impossible. Then I, I text my friend Dominic Valley from Reality Ventura, and I tell him the verse. And he's like, Nick, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, of course I will. <laughs> this is crazy. He says, That's the passage we've been praying for Carpenteria since January. 
I was like, okay, God, I'm in. Like, you don't need to tell me anything else. That's amazing. You know, because how could that be? Three people, same verse, but with Adam and I, same time? Come on. Yeah. Reading, I mean, this is unbeknownst to either of us. We don't yeah, have a clue. That's crazy. That's God. Oh my God. And you were talking earlier about, you mentioned before we started that, um, you know, you, you were praying, you were praying for reality LA for a year before you guys planted reality LA, but there was no, you guys didn't have some sort of like marketing strategy campaign <laughs> on how to grow the church and 10 steps on how to grow the you know, a church in Hollywood. Tell me that story about what happened and kind of what was this like turning point for reality LA at the very beginning. Well, so this is the, this is the thing people used to come up to to Tim, especially that both of us and say like, "What was your strategy? Like, How did you guys do this? And we just, we How did just, you guys make this church in Hollywood?" Yeah, we would just laugh. Honestly, this is really a trip. I had a vision of when I used to do youth ministry, high school ministry in my church back then. This is like in the nineties, right? And I had the, the Lord gave me this vision of people walking through the streets of Hollywood, evangelizing that came from every field of work that you can imagine. And that was the vision. That was it. And I was like, okay, what is that for? Like, you know how, you know, how visions and prophecy, like they generally, I would say most of the time don't happen the way you think they're going Mm -hmm. to. So, you know, you hide it in your heart. So I hid it in my heart and I never even thought about it. So, you know, we pray for reality LA and, all these things happen and the church gets planted. We start off with, I want to say like when we first started, we probably had a solid 50 people that were there at the church. And Tim and I had this idea that if we were in Hollywood and we had a church with 200 people, it would be like unbelievable. <laughs> like we're in, like who's going to go to a church in Hollywood? I mean, I used to, cause I was a production designer formerly as Becca was. Yeah. And, I used to go into Hollywood and go to talk to pastors and they would never call me back. I would never like, I was just like, what is with this place? Like, and, and then I would find out like the pastor from this church, he lives in Laguna. I'm like, how do you know the culture? Like, where's the, there's a disconnect here. Right? Yeah. So what happened was there was, Tim always likes to say, you want to know our strategy for church planning? Here's our strategy. <laughs> and he would say, this kid, Chase Edler, was skating on his skateboard at USC on the campus and fell and hit his head and went into a coma and died. That's our church planning strategy. And people are like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Seriously. Oh because it was tragic. But yeah. what we didn't know, what we found out later, we kind of knew a little bit about him, but we didn't really know the extent that he, this guy was an amazing evangelist. Like he, his friends told me that when they were on the campus at USC from him, with him, they would avoid him because they knew he would stop and evangelize somebody. What was his name again? Chase, Chase Edler. And this was, what year was this? This was 2006. Yeah, because before I got there. But yeah, 2006, we were at, um, we were still at Michael Jackson Auditorium. At the middle school. Behind yeah. Guitar Center <laughs> in Gardner Elementary School. Yeah. And... Yeah. So, you know, Chase died and all these people that he had evangelized, they all kind of woke up. They were like, what the heck? That could happen to us today, tomorrow. We don't know. Yeah. That could happen to us. And they started coming to church and they started inviting their friends. 
I mean, this is so organic. We, I have to tell you, like, you know how churches have like strategies, like we're in a market, we're going to send cars, we're going to do, we had nothing. Yeah. Like literally. Reality nothing. never did that kind of stuff. We did hand out cards before we started. Oh, you did? And I have a really funny story. So like I'm on Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. we're handing out cards. I'm with a bunch of guys from CARP that used to be there. And we walk up to like close to the Viper room. And there's all these kids that are kind of goth, you know, like hanging out against the wall. <laughs> and we hand them cards and they're like, Reality LA, what's that? Because, of course, it sounds like either a cult or like something wrong. Yeah. Like, reality, like, what is that? And I say, it's a church. And they're like, ha, 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 we're all Wiccans. And we really? were just so, like, that's where we're going. We're going to Hollywood. Wait, right? by the way, tell tell the uh, my audience, why is it called reality? Where did you, where did uh, Brit come up with that name? So Brit, there's a verse that says Jesus is reality. And what's he, the verse? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> oh, no! We'll look it up. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, so getting back to the story. So we went to Chase's funeral and there were like uh, between 800,000 people. Like it was wow. unbelievable. He, we didn't know. He had a twin sister and his father was remarried and had, he had a stepmom. And his mom was single and she was an unbeliever and he was, and him and his um, wife and his sister were all Christians. So there was this chasm. This was just such a defining moment because you saw that his dad and his stepmom had, they wanted to celebrate his life because they, they're like, without a doubt, he is with God. Without a doubt, he's with Jesus. Like this is a no brainer. We know for sure. We don't even have to think about it. So they're kind of celebrating this life, even though it's difficult. And I'm sure they mourned and went through all the things you go through with death. Um, but his mom was completely broken. Because she, was, she wasn't a believer. Right? She was not a believer. And, and I mean, she's a mom. Yeah. So like, of course, it, it's okay for her to be broken. I'm not saying because she was an unbeliever that that was it. But the contrast was hope and no hope. Right. Because she wasn't sure, like in her mind, it's like, well, is there a heaven? Is there a God? Whereas in their, in their hearts, they're like, we know that Jesus is real and we know that Chase loved Jesus and we, and look at the evidence of these people that he affected their lives. So that's how Reality LA started their growth was through that. And honestly, I truly, I mean, it's, I, I, I kind of hate the story because of the death. Yeah, but it, it's so difficult, you know, when God requires really hard things. But I believe that the foundation of prayer that we set was what God was honoring. And he used Chase's life. And, you know, I don't understand why God does things the way he does. And I would never proclaim to because it's heartbreaking that he died at such a young age. But in God's economy, there are like, probably thousands of people that got saved because of his life. Yeah. And in reality, LA went from like 40 people to 3000 over the course of, you know, five years. Yeah. So there was no marketing strategy, no plan or there, you know, there wasn't like the strategy to like, let's get numbers. We need numbers. Um, You know, so that that's That's kind of amazing. Yeah. and, And God just did a work and, the thing that's so encouraging to me about it is it had nothing to do with us. Yeah, Tim's a gifted communicator and a great pastor, and he's real. And the reason why I wanted to be with him was because 
he's authentic mm-hmm. and I trust him and I know he's real. Um, but it doesn't matter how good of a speaker, or how good of a pastor you are. God has to do the work. Yeah. Like it's not going to happen because of us. And that's, uh, that's what Tim, Tim Chaddock is now. He, what he left reality LA in 2015 to plant a church in London called reality church, London. Mm-hmm. And now he's back in California at reality, <laughs> reality, reality Ventura. Ventura. I get. I'm getting all confused now. <laughs> the coastlands. That's the what coastlands. He's now the the pastor at the, at Reality Ventura. And but what I loved, and, and when he left Reality LA to go to London, I remember I came out to kind of give like a little tribute to him. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I said was, which I loved about Tim, is his transparency because he would. When he preach, when he preaches, he's so transparent about his own life and his own kind of struggles or whatever that it creates this environment where the the, the church is is open to uh, con, you know confessing sin and not being like ashamed to confess yeah. your sin to one another. And so there was a, such a, an amazing transparency at Reality LA, and where you could where you knew that if you went up to get prayer and you said, Hey, like I really messed up. Like I need prayer. There was no, you know, shame or judgment. It was like, yes, let's pray. And like, thank you for confessing. And let's, let's, you know, you're forgiven. So I love that aspect of it. And, and honestly, that, that was the whole thing for us in on the prayer team was we're not here to give advice. We're not here to tell people how they should do this or do that. We're here to pray for them. And God's going to do the work. We're exactly. Well, I want to talk about, because this is the next thing that happened on the prayer team, when you were on the prayer team that day. So I had, this is, this is in my book, but uh, a lot of you don't know this story, but I, I, since I was a teenager, I think I started to struggle with depression and it was kind of mostly like a morning depression and it wasn't like a debilitating but it was definitely like pretty severe in the morning so i kind of just struggled through it my whole life and uh and and when i moved out to la you know i felt it every morning every morning i would wake up feel this like heavy depression and then every day by the end of the day at night it's like, I, it was almost like climbing a mountain every day. And by the end of the day, I would finally be okay wow. and feel great. I would feel like I, I was, that's why I was such a night person. Like I felt great at night mm-hmm. and then the next day it would start all over again. And I remember Marish Gahari day, like she took me out to dinner mm-hmm. and she said, you know, she asked me about like, what is holding you back? Like what? She, she actually like said, you, should, you need to go to therapy or something. And um, so finally, I think that's what did it. And I, I actually went to a therapist or whatever, and I got on, uh, he, he put me on medication, uh, on Wellbutrin, an antidepressant. And so I took the Wellbutrin and it was like amazing. I mean, it immediately, like the depression was gone. It just kicked it out. And so I was like, this is a this is a miracle drug. This was before I was saved. Mm-hmm. And this was probably like five years before I got saved. Um, and so I was on this, I took this pill every day. It worked like a charm. But then I get saved at reality in 2009. 
And I'm like, I don't know if I need to be on this drug anymore because I feel so, I was so euphoric and so just like, oh my gosh, I was so overwhelmed with joy. I thought, I don't need this anymore. So I went to my psychiatrist hmm. who, you know, is this like Harvard guy in Brentwood. And I said, you know, Dr. Jones, I won't give his real name, Dr. Jones, yeah. like, I want to get off the Wellbutrin. And he said, oh, that's great news. May I ask why? And I said, well, I met Jesus and like, I don't, I, I don't. <laughs> wrong I don't, answer. I, don't, no, wrong <laughs> answer. I was like, I met Jesus and I, and I told him the whole story. And I said, I don't think I need this drug. I don't think I need it anymore. And he was like, he literally got out his notepad and wrote like a prescription. He's like, why don't we keep you on for six more months? And then we'll talk about it. I was like, no, no, no. I want to get off now. And while Butrin happens to be a medication that, as far as I know, according to him, you don't need to wean off of. Mm -hmm. You could just stop immediately and there are no side effects. Cool. So I just got off. I, I told him, I said, I'm getting, I'm stopping like on tomorrow. I'm not going to take Wellbutrin. So I stopped and I felt fine for a couple months. And then all of a sudden the depression came back mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, that old friend of mine is <laughs> back. And it was like this kind of, in the pit of my stomach and I just felt that depression come back and I was so bummed about it because I thought, I thought God had, you know, when he saved me, it, he expelled that from me basically. And I was really debating what to do. I was, I was, you know, should I get, should I could, cause I, I could have easily just gone back on the well future sure. and it would have been totally fine. And like, I would have felt amazing, but I didn't want to do that. And so one day I was at church this is why church is so important. So much stuff mm. happens at church and, and the God's and the body of Christ is so important. Mm. This is why like doing church at home doesn't work. Um, just alone at home because so much happens when you're with the body of Christ. But so I, after the sermon during prayer time, Nick was on the side and I went up to you and there was, you know, the worship band was playing and I told you the story and I, and I said, will you just pray for me? And you, I remember you laid hands on me and you were praying for me and you pulled out, you happened to have a vial of anointing oil in your pocket, which you probably always, always do. And while you were praying for me, you anointed me with oil. This is like straight out of James uh, chapter sure. five, right? Yeah. Um, go to the elders of your church and, and they anoint, you know, if you want healing, go to the elders of your elders mm -hmm. of your church and get, they will anoint you with oil and pray for you and blah, blah, blah. So this is straight out of scripture, um, which I didn't really like know at the time. But anyway, I went up to you and you anointed me and you were praying and it was dark. And as you were praying, it was so crazy. I felt this tingling sensation rise up from my feet, through my body, out of my head. Like, it's like it came out of the top of my head and I immediately just started crying. Like mm. tears just like, like automatically started coming. And I felt this like huge burden lift off of me and your eyes were still closed. So you, you didn't really see like that I was crying. I don't think. I don't remember. That. And then after you finished praying, I, as I recall, I said to you, Nick, I think I just got healed. <laughs> and what, and your response was, you said, I, do you remember what you said? Yeah. You said, I'll never forget this. You said, 
Yeah, I, I know. I think you did. I, you said I could feel the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I do me. remember that. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's insane. And so it's since that day, I've not had an ounce of depression. Like God, like it was almost, I don't even know what it like. It was almost like, I don't know how to describe it theologically, but it was almost like there was this weird, unclean spirit or something that was like mm. lodged in me. Like that had to come out. I don't. It wasn't like an exorcism. But it, it was something akin to it. I don't know what it was, but that. What was that like for you? Like when you were praying for me, what happened in, with you? Like, um, I just sensed that the Holy Spirit was there. I sensed that He was moving. And you know, it's funny when you're praying for someone like that. You know when God's moving, but you don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know what's happening with you. I just know that God's mightily moving at that moment. How, but what, like, what's, how do you feel that? Like, is it like a, in here, is it in your heart? Well, for me, um, well, a lot of it. So there's two things that I think are super important when you're praying. One is listening and the other is, is um, speaking according to what the Holy Spirit is telling you. Right. So there's this kind of, you know, there's this tension that's happening between, hearing from God and then speaking the things that you think he's saying to you. And um, th- this is the thing, Beckett, like I can't explain any of this, right? Like there's no theological. <laughs> there are no mechanics. There's, <laughs> there's just not. I mean, it's, it's really a miracle. But the thing that's interesting about you and I is that I just had this candor with you when I prayed with you where I just knew that God was working. And, and it has nothing to do with like, our friendship, like we have a great friendship, but it, it's just a, like a thing that God was like, because I remember one time I was like, um, Beckett needs prayer. He needs to come up here. And you actually came up. So just like you prayed mm-hmm. for me to come yeah. one time I prayed because I knew you needed prayer and you came up and I was like, whoa, okay. So <laughs> yeah. So there's this kind of cool connection that, I mean, there's just no, you know, explanation there's no it's just god god being amazing and and i don't know that like we really need to explain it through feelings or anything because you know our feelings can be wrong yeah because there's times that you pray for someone you're like okay that was cool you know and then they're like whoa something happened and you didn't feel anything right so that's where you have to kind of disconnect from because sometimes yeah because in that particular moment with you i sensed it and i felt it but at other times, I may not. But this is the biggest Were thing. you surprised that when you were... Were you surprised that I was miraculous, miraculously healed that day? I'm never surprised with what God does, ever. But I'm always surprised at what God does. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but so, did it give you... Did it encourage you? Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is the other thing. You know, I was talking to someone about this the other day. Is that... You know, oftentimes you pray for someone, you don't, you just don't know. Like, you don't know if God's going to do something or if he's not. Because he can or he doesn't have to. And, and we don't see the big picture. So we don't see the meta that he sees that, like, the Chase Edler story. Like, he's going to pass away, and then I'm going to use his life in this miraculous way. Like, we just yeah. don't see that. And I think the, thing, the same thing is true with prayer, is that we pray in obedience because we know that when we pray that God hears our prayers, we know that that's biblical, right? We also know that 
he tells us to, if we have not because we ask not. So, okay, there's something right there we need to ask. Mm-hmm. So we know that prayer is vital because of biblical things that we do know about God. But then the bigger thing that is, is that we don't know why or how he works. Sometimes you pray for healing for someone and they don't get healed. So yeah. what do you do with that? And I mean, I've seen people literally walk away from their faith because they're like, well, I did all these things you wanted me to do, God. I prayed when you told me to pray and nothing happened. So I'm out. Right. Yeah. I just don't know that I can give an answer to that, but I also know that God still loves that person. He still cares for them. And maybe because he didn't do something was just because that wasn't part of the big picture that he had for the entire, like, because this is what we don't understand. Our lives mean something to the entire body of Christ. So, you know, what Paul talks about the members of the body, right? If our members aren't working together, there's something missing. But oftentimes we think we're not that important. Other times we think we're too important. Yeah. Where, where this friend of mine that I'm talking about, he just felt like, well, I tried and you didn't do, so therefore you don't exist. Well, that's not right. true. <clears throat> because yeah. God's indiscriminate. He, well, Paul Paul prayed for the thorn of the flesh sure. to be removed, and God said no. And he said, "My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness." And so, there's a lot of times God doesn't answer those prayers because He wants us to come to to lean into Him more and press into Him more and come to Him more. So, but I have a really good story. So, we have a really good friend that um, she suffers with really bad arthritis, really, really bad. And she suffered for years. And we got invited to go to this concert, this big concert. And we were like, why are we going to this thing? Like, it was in Irvine from Los Angeles, like three-hour drive. We're like, this is terrible. (laughs) We get there and like, you know, it's cool and everything. You know, it was a worship concert. It was really cool. And, you know, people were praising God. But I don't know why, for some reason, I just wasn't feeling it. And I was like, I don't understand why I'm here. And my friend Brian said, oh, you got to meet this guy, Josh Silverberg, right? So we go and we meet Josh and he's like, well, Josh has a gift of healing. And I'm like, okay, cool. So Josh comes up to my friend and says, hey, do you need any prayer for anything? He says, yeah, my wife. My wife is suffering with arthritis. It's really tough. So he prays. Afterwards, we're like, okay, cool. You know, I think we were there for the prayer because he prayed for other people and we prayed together with other people. It was really mutual. It was great. Um, and then we, we got home and, um, and nothing happened to his wife. She didn't get healed. But this is what's crazy. So we believe that that prayer that he prayed was like a precursor to something God was going to do. It was like a beginning because she had something happen in her spirit that was really special. So then about, I don't know what the timeline was. I would say within weeks, she was at church at a prayer meeting and all these women came up to her and said, you need prayer. And she's like, okay. And they said, we really think there's something that's happening inside of you that we need to pray for. And she was kind of befuddled, like, I don't know. And I mean, obviously she knows her infirmity, but she doesn't know anything else. So they prayed for her for literally like two hours. But it was crazy. Everyone's weeping, like it's wow. just insane. And what she found was, and what happened that night was she got healed emotionally. That's what's really crazy. So they were asking for healing for an infirmity for physical, right? But what happened was she realized, so she, this particular friend of ours had seen her dad pass away in front of her eyes when she was a kid. And it like 
all these other things in her life, she created like these walls, which we do, right? Yeah. It's like self-protection. But what she didn't realize was she had never let go of this her whole life. I mean, she's almost 50 at this point, right? So they pray for her. She's totally revitalized, completely revitalized. And what was interesting was when she got healed emotionally, her physical healing took place. Not a, not 100%, yeah. but she was way better. And now her her outlook on the world, how God's using her, what he wants to do with her life, how he's real, how he spoke to her at that moment, and all the things that happened that night, it changed their family. Like, it didn't just change her. It changed her husband, changed her kids, changed their entire family. Wow. So it's not always that we pray for something and it's like, oh, we're going to get that. Because it's not like yeah. God's Santa Claus. <clears throat> right. Right. And I, before I, I, I want to ask you about your kind of approach to your, your personal prayer life and even your um, kind of morning prayer on Instagram. But before I do that, I want to tell one more story <laughs> about a miraculous thing that happened with us or just a supernatural kind of thing. That was such a huge confirmation to me and a blessing to me. So in 2014, maybe it was like 2013, but uh, I felt God really calling me to seminary. Oh, it was man. such a, yeah. it was such a, um, I did too. intense call. And I always say this, it felt like I was on a train and I was going to seminary and I could <laughs> not get off. Like it was weird and one way ticket. Yeah. And it was like uh it was like Jonah, you know, God telling Jonah to go to Nineveh. But so I there was a there happened to be a prayer meeting at it was there was a prayer meeting like at someone's apartment that night. Oh yeah. Ian at Ian. Ian so yes. so yeah. we went I went to this prayer meeting and uh Nick was there. I didn't even know you were going to be there. And I, so I went up to you and I said, Hey, you know, and meanwhile, you know, I, I was a full-time production designer and I had an agent and, and it's like, you can't really do anything else. Cause you never know <laughs> when you're going to get a call. When you're a freelancer. Yeah. When you're a freelancer, you, you never know when you're going to get a call saying, Hey, you have a job tomorrow. Like, so you can't really do anything else. And so I went up to Nick and I said, Hey, I feel like, can you pray for me? Cause I feel like God's really calling me to seminary, but I don't know how this is going to work because I, I'm, I'm going to have to turn down like 80% of the jobs I get from my agent. And I don't know how I'm going to pay for seminary and how this is all the money thing is going to work. And, and he, Nick prayed for me. And, um, and then after you prayed, you, what, do you remember what you said to me? I said, if, if it's real, God's going to provide hundred percent. Like I'm sure he's. No, you that. said it was even more confirmation than that you said, I, I remember the quote exactly. You said, God, you said, I think God is going to pay for your seminary that's right. and that's going to be confirmation. That that's right. To go. That's absolutely. And I was like, what? And I was literally like, what? That doesn't, I didn't even, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Ridiculous. It's like, it sounds crazy. Well, Andy Warhol says, someone's got to bring home the bacon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, and then, of course, God ended up paying for all of my seminary, yeah. which was a total confirmation. Total and 
but that was such a great confirmation just from from Nick praying for me and from him saying that to me I felt like okay God's got this he's and that's the other thing too it's like when God calls you to something he's he provides like he yeah. owns the universe he yeah. he's like if you just do what I want you to do don't worry I've got you covered but how many times in the Bible do people do the same thing God told Abraham leave your father and go and he's like no I'll stay here for a while and the thing that's so cool is that God is a God of grace. Yeah. And he didn't destroy Abraham because he didn't do it immediately. But Abraham did obey eventually, right? He did yeah. what he was called to do. But you see that throughout the whole Bible. And I remember I used to read the Bible and go, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> Why don't they get it? <laughs> Why don't they just do what God told them? And then me? I'm like, uh, duh, I'm the, same, I'm the same way. Yeah. So let's talk about... How do you approach prayer daily? Like, are, do you pray daily? Like, is it mm -hmm. morning? How do you even get into it? And what do you do? I, I, I have a routine, but I don't have a routine. So this is really cool. Um, and, you know, you guys, I've, I've had ups and downs in my prayer life. It's not like this has always been great. But in the last couple of years, it's been really amazing what God, what the intimacy that I have with God right now. And... Honestly, a lot of it had to do with with me, and I'm sure that you guys can relate to this a lot, is that it was just busyness. Like, you know, dude, you would be working like 12, 15, 16 hour days all the time, back to back. Yeah. And I'd have jobs on jobs. It, it was just crazy. Yeah. Um, and that's all you kind of, it's so hard to get your head wrapped up. I know. When course, I was in the middle of a job, I, I literally couldn't pray because I was just so... I could. I'd be, God, please help me. <laughs> well, that's, what I, that's all I could do. I'd be like, God, help. Please help. And, yeah. Go ahead. So um, when COVID happened, um, I don't know. I can't give you a moment in time or a word or anything that happened. I just had time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I've got time. This is ridiculous. Like, there's nothing going on. Like I'm not needed anywhere. It's just me and God at this point. So like, what am I going to do with my time? So I just started really pressing in. And when I say pressing into prayer, like it wasn't me um, asking God to do things, which they call intercessory prayer. It was more of me sitting and hearing from God and waiting on God and praising God and just being silent. It was meditation, mm -hmm. honestly. And I don't know. It was just interesting. There was just a click that happened in my heart. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm missing. I, I'm not spending enough time with the Lord one-on-one. -on -one, you know? Busyness has yeah. just, like, overtaken. And, I, you know, this is the funny thing. Like, we allow that. You know, we can, you can always carve out time for what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, that's what Jesus says to, to, to Martha when, you know, she, Martha's super busy and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet yeah. and, and, you know, Martha's complaining that Mary is just sitting there at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, she has, she has the better portion. Yes. Like you're like, stop being so busy. So yeah, it's like we love, especially in our culture and with social media, we love to be busy, 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 and like. Well, and it makes you feel important. Like, oh, yeah. I'm so busy. Like, you people ask you, "What? How's it going?" Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's like so terrible. I know it's so terrible. So, anyways, during that time, I had a friend call me, and he said, "Hey, man, 
like it's COVID. I'm kind of sick of the fact that I'm not going to church. Like let's do church in my backyard. Right. And so we started this thing called yard church that it's, yeah, I'm not there anymore. Obviously I'm at another place, but during that time, it was something that God was working in my heart and just reestablishing some really basic foundational things. So the answer to your question is like my routine right now is I wake up super early. It's kind of ridiculous, but I wake up super early. Like how early? Why are you asking? Four. <laughs> <laughs> I talk, I, 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 I just talked to a friend of mine. She, she's amazing. Uh, this, this woman in Canada and she wakes up at 3.18 every morning and she prays for two hours. God bless her. I know. And then she goes to, she, then she works for the rest of the day. Yeah. Well, I wake up like usually 4 or 4.30. I mean, sometimes 5, but most of the time around 4.30. I woke up at 5 this morning, which was a miracle. Anyway. That is a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, that's a miracle. Back in code up at 5. Um, <laughs> Um, but I just spend time just waiting on the Lord and it was Did interesting. Did you read scripture first or what? No, I actually just wait on the Lord. Like I meditate, I think. But when you're waiting, okay, so tell me what that is. Because when you're waiting on the Lord, are you, do you just say, God, I'm waiting on you and you just sit there? Or Sometimes you... I just focus on a thing. Like sometimes I focus on Jesus, just the word Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think about Jesus. I think about his attributes. I think about who he is, what he's done, all of the things that have to do with Jesus. Sometimes, um, th- this is really funny because I got this from Ragamuffin Gospel, Brandon Manning's book, like from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, he would say, Abba, I belong to you. And that was like his kind of thing that he would say all the time. And sometimes I do that, like to remind myself that I'm not my own, mm-hmm. that I'm actually his and that um because I'm his and I'm adopted, I'm accepted and I'm an heir, a joint heir of the kingdom of God. And he's given me his signet ring. And I, you know, I am that person. I have to remind myself because we don't always think like that. Yeah. Like so, I would say like we're literally royalty and we don't even, yes. Know. Like we think Harry and Meghan are royalty right. or like whatever we like love seeing things about them, but it's like, they're not even, we're royalty. We're actual eternal royalty, which is insane. Yeah. And God's not always in Montecito. <laughs> he is a lot. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I do. And then one of the things that the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart um, was begin with blessing. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Begin with blessing. So I begin my day blessing and I, and the Holy Spirit puts people on my heart. So I have this like running list that I made and I'll be going through the day and Lord will put someone in my mind. And you know, how, like you say to people, I was thinking of you today. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, well, that's cool, but isn't it better if you just pray for them? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I was thinking, well, you know, when you tell people I, I've been praying for you, they're like, yeah, that's great. Because they kind of believe you, but they kind of don't. Sometimes they're like, yeah, sure, you're just saying that. Because Christians do that. They're like, you you tell them you're at church and you're like, hey, man, I'm going through this really hard time. I'll pray for you. Yeah, I'll pray for you this week. Yeah, and and you kind of just don't because you forget or whatever. So I I always thought that was so lame. So early on in Reality LA, we'd just be like, when someone says something, let's just pray now. Like, forget about 
Forget about later. Let's do it right now. You can do it later too, but like, let's yeah. do it right now. So there's this urgency because time is going and why can't we just seize the moment? Yeah. Right. So this whole idea of begin with blessing and the Lord would put people's names on my heart. And then I would pray at the beginning. I pray at the beginning of the day, like, who do you want me to pray for Lord? What do you want me? And then what I do is, is I look at the person's name and I think about them and I think about their presence. I think about them as a person, because we all have the spirit about us, right? We're all so unique and their spirit kind of comes alive in my mind and my heart. And then I decided that I was going to do voice memos. Because, on Instagram? No, this is not even oh, that. Okay. This is before I did that. Okay. So I would actually get turn on my voice memo and I would say the prayer that I wanted to pray over the person and I would just text it to them. Yeah. Right? Because I was like, the Lord put them on my heart. I don't even need to tell them like I'm praying for you or whatever. Just send them the prayer. Yeah. And what's cool about that is, and what was encouraging was the Lord started showing me that like, not only was it good for the moment, but like people would save that. It meant something to them. Yeah. And that's just the Holy Spirit. It's not me. I'm not special. This is yeah, I think I've gotten some voice memos from you. I'm sure. I have. Yeah. I'm sure you have. Yeah. But then during that time, I kind of sensed, oh, so what happened was I sent my friend Josh um, one of these text prayers. And he's the guy I told you that like has a gift yeah. to do with. And he says, Nick, no one ever prays for me. And I was like, you're kidding me. No, really? <laughs> he's like, no, people come to me for prayer. And no one ever thinks to pray for me because like, I just have a gift and right. that's cool. Like, I love that. I'm not there. I'm not complaining. I'm not saying anything weird, but you know, he's like, that was amazing. And you need to do something with that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Do something with it. He's like, Oh, you need to like start a YouTube channel. Or something. I'm like YouTube channel. I can't get my head wrapped around that. What does that even look like? It looks like this. <laughs> I guess. So I had this, sense that the Holy Spirit was telling me to do something. So I called my friend Brian and I said, Hey, Brian, um, Josh told me this. What do you think? He's like, honestly, dude, you should do Instagram. And I was like, why? And he said, because everyone checks their Instagram every day. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if you did a thing where, you know, someone could expect that you're going to be doing a prayer every day. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Okay. But then I thought, I don't want to be on it. Like, I don't want my face on it. I don't want right. to. Yeah. So I found these amazing praying hands. They're like 15th century Duray. And I love them. Mm -hmm. And so I put them on and then I just pray. And then I just. Like that's the image on the Instagram. That's the image on the Instagram when I'm praying. You don't see me. You don't know. Like most people don't even know who I am. Yeah. It's just morning. It's called morning. Well, prayer. they do now. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And it's. And you do it every morning. I try to do it every morning. Since we, since I've started Rally Carpentry, I've been more splotchy just because I have, there was so much. Because we basically are replanting the yeah. church. So there's yeah. just so much going on. Um, but yes, I, I try to do it every day. I, I think I have 103, something like that. Yeah, so and we'll put, we'll put the, if it's okay with you, we'll put your handle for, for Instagram yeah, below yeah. in the yeah. description. And you can listen to his morning prayer. And you don't have to get up at 4.30 to do it because no, it's there all day or whatever. Yes, and you can listen to it because it's very encouraging and edifying and, and great. So I started off just praying like random prayers, right? And it was really cool. But then I was 
Okay, so I was doing the, so I got challenged by somebody to read the Bible in 30 days. And I was like, oh, that's really cool, right? So we did that, a group of us did that, a bunch of friends. And it was interesting because it's like this 5,000 foot overview. Like you you can't yeah. sit there and resonate on anything. You're just like, woo, woo, woo. Yeah. you know, reading a lot. Um, and when I was doing all that, the thing that was interesting was that God was speaking to me in really unique ways. And while, while I was doing it, I would literally say, I can't stop. Oh, okay. I got to stop. And I would just write a scripture down. So I made this ongoing list of all these scriptures that I felt that were super important that were like, some of them are like, everyone knows the scripture, you know, like certain scriptures that people just are aware of, you know, like John three sixteen or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I had this ongoing list and I said, wouldn't it be cool if like every day I just took one of those scriptures and just prayed about what God was talking about it in regards to us yeah. or sin or life or whatever. And that's kind of what I've been doing lately is I take different scriptures. I read them at the beginning and then I just say a prayer afterwards. And so it's kind of turned into that. Amazing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I love you know, whenever, I don't know, I just, and I, again, this is God, it's not Nick, but like whenever, you know, I need major intercessory prayer, he's one of the first persons I go to. And uh, God, I don't know, there's just God just kind of like has works through you with me. And it's amazing. Oh, and then there's times where like the Lord will put you on my heart. And I'll be like, I need to pray for Beth and I'll call you. Yeah. Like we, that's happened a lot of times yeah. with us, right? Um, and I just, so this is the thing. I know that some of you are watching this thinking like, what is he talking about? You know, <laughs> like this is, doesn't happen to me at all. Well, what, so, okay. So what's your, what's your advice, like, or not advice, but what, how, what's your encouragement for people in well, terms of their prayer, in terms of prayer life? There's a couple things that, that really I would like people to grasp. And that is that God is just waiting for you. God is waiting for you to speak to him, to be with him, to spend time with him, that he desires that, that he cares for you. He loves you. He knows everything about you. And he even knows the bad things about us. And he still cares for us and loves us through that. And that is the first and foremost thing that I think that we all need to receive because we need to receive a lot of things. You know, it's not like just doing all the time. Um, and through that, through that understanding, then just becoming more intimate with God and just really spending time with him. Now it's going to manifest itself different in everyone. Like I'm, I'm not telling everyone that they're going to be like me or like you or any, yeah. anyone else. Yeah. We're all going to be different, but there's one unique thing about Christianity. All of us can pray and all of us have the ability to speak to God, to hear from God. That's a universal thing. Well, yeah, the veil is torn and we can yes. walk into the throne room of we God at any time. We have full access and we can literally, it's like, I used to, like when I first got saved, I kind of likened it to, I mean, this is kind of corny now. It feels corny, but um, I likened it to like, it's like I could get on the phone right now and just pick up the phone and call the president of the United States or whatever, sure. or the the king of whatever the queen of being you know queen elizabeth i can pick up the phone and call but how much more so can we just immediately walk into the throne room of the king of the universe and talk to him 
And why, this is the thing, why do we do that first? Why do we always go, oh, I'm going to call my friend. Like, I need to ask so-and-so, whatever. Yeah. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not saying there's something wrong with it, but like, if we have full access to the king of the universe who loves us and cares for us more than anything that we can even imagine, then why isn't that the first thing that we do? Yeah. So remember I was sharing with you earlier, Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom. So that the Lord's just been impressing that on my heart too. Like, why do I not just seek him first? And, and by the way, just, I don't always seek him first. Just so you know, like, it's not like I'm this great person that always does everything right. I don't. And that's the cool thing is that he knows we're human. You know, he knows that we're frail and he knows the things that, that stumble us up sometimes. But if we have this access it would kind of be like, um, well, I'm a Disneyland freak, so okay, I'll use this. <laughs> so it'd be kind of like, we're going to give you a, a membership to Club 33. So Club 33, just so you know, is where Walt Disney used to hang out. It was his apartment in okay. Disneyland. Okay. Upstairs. Oh, right. I know. From, yeah, I've heard of this. Yeah. It's, it's in the Orleans section, right? Right. And it would be like, okay, here's the ticket. You can go whenever you want. And you're like, nah. It's all garbage, <laughs> but you have to be a Disney fan to understand this. Like, this has to be, this is only for people that are Disney fans, yeah, Disney right? freaks. that get this. And then you were like, nah, no, nah, I'd rather just hang out. And like, I don't even want to see it. It's like, why? You have full access. It's okay. I don't, I don't need it. Like I'm better than that. I don't need that. It's kind of like what we do with God. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we have full access to you, but you know, like, we have the Holy Spirit living within us and, you know, Jesus forgave us. So do we really need to do that? Well, I just saw, you know, always go back to the source, right? Yeah. So Jesus is the source. And what did he model? His disciples are like, Jesus, what are you doing? And Jesus is like, I'm going to go pray. So he goes up to the mountaintop and prays and they come to him and they're like, this is in Mark chapter one. And they say, Hey, everyone's looking for you. And he says, well, we're going to go to the small towns because that's what God wants. <laughs> well, how did he know that that was what God wanted? Because he spent time with him. He heard from him. The father told him, I want you to go to other places. Yeah. And he was At that point, he's just being obedient. So it's kind of like um, the whole thing with, with the scripture for me with Carpinteria. At that point, I knew he's calling me because it was just ridiculous, right? But... I can choose to be disobedient or be or obedient. And in my mind, I was like, if I don't do this, you're going to end up in the belly of a giant fish like Jonah. Yeah. Or on a fishing boat in Carpentry. <laughs> <laughs> Something. But it, it, it's just, I want my desires to be obedient to him. And this is another thing I think culture doesn't understand now. Paul says he's a bond servant. He's like, Jesus has done all for me, so I my life is his. I'm no longer my own. Okay, so if we're truly no longer, because we say these things, like they're like little colloquial, colloquialism, colloquialisms, yes, colloquialism. Um, but we say these things and then we don't do them, right? Mm -hmm. But the fact is, is that yeah, I'm a bond servant to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and I'm His son, and I'm His joint heir, and I'm all these other things. So am I going to be obedient when he asks me to do something? Am I going to trust that what he asked me to do is better than what I want to do? 
Because a lot of times, I mean, we live in a society now where we're like, I have my own authority. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. What's really funny, I, when we first started Reality LA, a lot of people used to come up to me and go, but what about my freedoms? And I'd be like, yeah, you've got freedoms. Like Paul even talks about it. Like we're, I'm free in Christ. I can do all things, right? Everything's accessible. I can do whatever, but it's not needful for me. Yeah. It's not best for me. And I love in Galatians how it says, your freedom, you're free to serve. It doesn't say you're free for yourself. Or free to sin. Yeah, yeah, it says that you're free in Christ so that you can serve other people. So I think that, you know, those kind of things matter. You know, it yeah. matters the way that we perceive how God is wanting to spend time with us. He's desiring to be with us. And he wants that intimacy probably more, probably more than we do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, guys, we encourage ourselves and yes. you to, to, you know, spend time in prayer every day with the Lord. And, uh, because the more you, that you, the more you're intimate with the Lord, what was the thing in reality? Um, out of intimacy flows yes. ministry. So the more you're intimate with the Lord, the more you're going, going to be able to minister to people in your family, your neighborhood, your, community, your city, whatever. So we just encourage you to do that. And thank you for watching today. Yeah. And to Nick, thank you for being on yeah, the show. And thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week on the Becca Cook Show. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more.